Thank you for checking out the podcast of Eastern Assembly of God in Baltimore, Maryland. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us at www.easternassembly.org. So we have two more weeks in the book of James. And somebody came up to me between services and said, can we just stay in the book of James for a long time? Uh, the problem is James only has five chapters. So kind of after you ventured through them, uh, unless we circle around again, which we may do at some point, uh, we are going to move on. So we are in James chapter five this morning, and I want you to pay attention to the screen. And I'm going to pause at a couple of spots and, and let you read the next word, because these will be the words that I'm focusing on as we walk through this together. All right. Right off the bat, be, all right, try it again, be patient. We're talking about being patient. Brothers, sisters, until the Lord's coming, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and we're going to talk about standing firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't. We're going to talk about grumbling against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. By the way, there are notes in your bulletin, or you can follow along and actually take notes on the church app on your phone if you'd like to, or you can just listen. How many of you believe that's very possible that Jesus could be coming soon? Okay. Now, the truth is, that Christians of all ages have always looked forward to the Lord's coming. Matter of fact, Paul wrote the book of 2 Thessalonians because the church at Thessalonica believed the Lord had come. And they got left behind. So Paul wrote to say, no, 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 no. The Lord hasn't come yet. You wouldn't be here if he did. All right? So, so Christians of all ages have believed the Lord is coming. But we know he is. We're not sure when, so that requires, verse 7, second word, us to be patient. Matter of fact, when the disciples watched Jesus ascend into heaven, remember they were with him for about three years? He died, he rose, and he appeared to them various times over 40 days, and it reached a point where Jesus says, look, I'm going to ascend into heaven. You're not going to see me anymore. I'm sure this caused... Um, some anxiousness with the disciples, not having the Lord there. But, it, but Acts records the event in these words. It says, they were looking intently into the sky as he was going. Who was going? Who, who was they that were looking? The disciples. When suddenly, two men dressed in white, who were these guys? Angels stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? Listen, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So the question is not, is Jesus coming back? Oh, he's coming. The question is, when? And the when requires Patience. Come on, somebody. Pay attention. Nudge your neighbor. Just, just make sure they're still awake. All right? I'm not, I'm not going to be long this morning, but I want to make sure you're there. It requires patience. All right? Jesus gave a huge warning in a parable 
that talked about that. He says, there was a master who owned property. The master in this parable is the Lord. And the master said, I'm going away for a season. So he chose one of his servants to be the manager of the property. Well, I'm going, he says, take good care of my property. I will return. Master leaves. Servant starts saying to himself, boy, the master has taken a long time. Maybe he died. Maybe, maybe something happened to him. So the servant says, you know what? I'm just going to do my own thing. Who is this master anyway who claims he's coming back? Luke 12, 45 talks about it. It says this. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming, and he begins to beat his men servants and maidservants and to eat and drink and get drunk. So this manager, instead of being patient and faithful, says, I'm going to do my own thing. How many, listen, how many people have opened the door of their heart, asked Jesus to come in, have been sincerely born again, but they've gotten impatient? Is it easy to wake up every morning and look at the world and say, no, thank you, I'm living for Jesus today? Day after day, week after week, month after month, while we wait either for his coming or for us to go and join him. Not always easy. Come on, somebody. How many of you, like myself, have gone down the road of this world and the reason you're saved today is because you realize it didn't satisfy? It was not cracked up to be what it was. So I want to ask you today, after you've already been down that road and found it empty, why on earth would you try a second time already knowing what's at the end of that road? Jesus said in John 4, 14, Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Instead, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And I say to someone here today that as you sit currently, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. If you already know out there in this world that it's a lie, come on somebody, that drinking it up is not the answer. Drugging it up is not the answer. Sexing it up doesn't give what it's promised. Come on, somebody. Can I point you to the one who will satisfy? Somebody say his name in this house today. Jesus. Come on, say it again. Jesus. Yeah, he gives water that will truly thirst. Can you say amen? amen? All right, so, servant who's been appointed to watch over the household decides he's gonna do his own thing. And even though the master has taken longer than expected, the master returns. And this is what happens. The master of that servant will come on a day he does not expect him. And at an hour he's not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. Church, I don't want that to be any of you today. Turn to your neighbor and say, just be patient. He's coming. Come on. And besides that, you know what derails so many people? So many people get derailed because circumstances happen in their life and they're, they're hard. They're going through tough things and they feel like the Lord isn't coming through when he should come through. So, so they give up on the Lord and they forget what Romans 8.18 says. It says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing 
with the glory that will be revealed in us. Listen to me. If you get to heaven and think you're going to look for the complaint section, it ain't there because you're going to forget about everything you've been through in this world when you see what God has for you for all eternity. Come on, somebody. Say amen. amen. Be patient, church. Remain faithful to Jesus. Now, not only must you be patient, but James says you must stand firm. Why is this important in the days leading up to Jesus' return? Well, let's let the Bible answer that question. 1 Timothy chapter 4 says these words. The Spirit clearly says, that means this is going to happen, it's clear, that in the latter times, some will abandon the faith. Now, in order to abandon the faith, that means you once had to have faith. Okay, you, you, you once had to know the Lord. They will follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. Now, now listen. If someone walked up to you today and just said flat out, I want you to abandon Jesus. I, I think most everybody in this room has enough fortitude that says you're crazy. I'm, I'm not just going to get rid of it. So then how, how could the enemy kind of subtly cause believers to abandon the Lord for teachings that come from demons. I'm, I'm gonna tell you how. It's because pressure from the world brings you to a point where it may cost you something to stick with Jesus. And it's easy to say, well, God understands. I'm not really compromising. I just don't think God would want me to whatever, whatever the cost may be. Are we not living in that hour, is not the world pressing in saying you will conform or, or what? We're not sure what the or is. Let me give you a present day example. This Christian woman is a realtor. She went to a school board meeting in her school. And she said, I just want to know why you're telling my 10-year-old son that he might not be a boy and that puberty blockers are an option and you're doing it in math class. Now, how many of you would, would agree with me that valid argument? I don't see it. All right, so if your hand's down, you, you think that's okay. I don't think it's okay. All right, I have a 10-year-old son. All right, it's not okay for somebody to get him to doubt that God, that he's a boy. God made him, okay? So, so very, very legitimate. Well, there was an activist in that meeting who wrote her employer, her realty company, because she's a realtor, saying this woman expressed herself at a board meeting and therefore she is racist, homophobic, and transphobic. And her realty company says you will no longer work for us. Now, I'm sure there's gonna be a battle that ensues for her to get her job back. But listen to me, I'm trying to help you. It may cost you something to stand firm in these last days. You say, you say Pastor, I, I came to hear an encouraging word this morning. This is kind of heavy. What kind of pastor would I be if all I did was gave you an encouraging word but didn't prepare you for the days ahead? If I didn't tell you what the Bible says, what James says, it's important that you understand you're gonna need to stand firm and be patient in these last days. Come on, somebody. 
How many of you remember Christopher Alam, who was here at the very beginning of the year? He, he, he was a Muslim who came to the Lord. You, you wouldn't forget his testimony if he was here. Travels the world. Uh, he's now overseas in a crusade. Goes to really hard places. Um, he wrote a Facebook post that I, I'm going I'm to read to you. It's a couple of paragraphs. Just be patient. But he addresses this issue. It's so powerful. Just listen. He said, for every worship leader or worship pastor who turns his back to Jesus, and because he's addressing leadership, he's saying that, I would say for any believer, there are thousands of young men and women, pure and dedicated in heart, who you will find on their knees in our churches, seeking the presence and power of God in their lives. You will find them in every church. You will find them in churches in every nation. Not every church, but in churches all over the place. The church of Jesus Christ is far greater and stronger than these pop Christianity movements in the Western world built up by media-savvy celebrity pastors. When I think of the church of Jesus Christ, I think of the millions of Christians in places like China and Iran where the church is growing, winning souls in spite of the trials and persecution that they endure every day. More Christians are being martyred in our day than any other time in history. Did you know that? These are saints who choose death over turning their backs to Jesus. I myself spent almost a year in prison for preaching the gospel and faced execution. This, my friends, is Christianity. Those who endure such suffering for the sake of the gospel are those who have seen the invisible. In other words, they know the reality of the spirit world and the reality of Jesus Christ. They are not men braver than others, but men who have experienced Jesus and have been gripped by him. This is why they cannot turn their backs on him. In our vision of the crucified and risen Christ, that makes us overcomers. That is the triumphant church. I see it here in Africa. I saw it in Indonesia, the largest Muslim nation on earth. The Christian is triumphant there too. I see it everywhere I go in far-flung places on the earth. Almost done. This is the victorious, the triumphant, the overcoming church, the blood-bought church, the fire-baptized church, the Bible-loving church. It is the church that has embraced the great commission. It preaches the gospel with signs following. You will find this church everywhere in the nations of the earth, and yes, even at home in America. This is the church that will endure to the end. It will overcome. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Come on, church. So what will you do? I'm not saying we should go looking for trouble, stirring up trouble. But what do you do when you're confronted with the crossroad? Stay true to Jesus' truth or bow your knee. Students, where are you? Wave at me over there. All you going back to school. Listen, I'm not saying you need to jump up on your desk the first day of school and say, hey, y'all, I want you to know I'm a Jesus follower. But I pray someone would see it in you. And when they ask you about it, you won't be ashamed. Because you're a bright light in a dark place. Come on, somebody. I'm reminded of when the disciples, you remember the story, they were, Peter and John were on their way up to the temple and they met a, a person who was lame. Silver and gold, have we none, but such as we have, we give, rise up and walk. What happened to that lame man? He jumps up, he's running all over the place. A large crowd comes, what's happening here? Peter preaches to them, thousands get saved. And what do the Jewish authorities do with Peter and John? 
They lock them up. So what's going on here? Lock them up. Well, they didn't know what to do, the Jewish authorities. How could they deny that this man who everybody knew was lame is now walking? So this is what they did. They said, we're going to let you go. But we're telling you, you are not legally allowed to teach and preach anymore in the name of Jesus. And here was Peter and John's reply in Acts 4.20. It says this. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Oh, we walk with Jesus. We saw him die. We saw him rose again. He appeared to us. And we're not going to keep our mouth shut about what we know is real. Come on, somebody. How many of you were once dead in sin, but Jesus has raised you to life? Don't be ashamed of that name. Here is the promise that Jesus has given to each of us. In Matthew 28, 20, he says this, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Bring up that next slide, if you would. This is Kurt and Christy Demoff. Christy was one of my junior high leaders when I was a youth pastor in the Detroit area. Christy went to Dearborn High School in Dearborn, Michigan. And particularly her senior year, she decided she wanted to let her light shine. So she got permission to do an after-school Bible study, which, by the way, students, they cannot deny you the right to have a Bible club in your school if they have any other club in your school. We, 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 will, we will help you. It's, it's, it's the law of the land. It's called the law of equal access. Uh, President Reagan passed that many years ago. That if any club exists in that school, they cannot deny a student who wants to run and have a Bible study. And so, so Christy, Christy started a, a, whatever you want to call it, Bible club, Christian gathering. And uh, many, I think it was on Tuesdays, many Tuesdays, I would go. Okay, do you think she took any, any heat from other students? But she would come into that Bible school with her faith, just as a, her face just aglow as it is in that picture. And normally she'd have a couple friends with, them, with her. She said, these are new today. Meet them, Pastor Ed. These are my friends. And she decided that she was going to let her light shine in that school. Today, her and her husband, Kurt, are, are pastors of a wonderful church in Michigan, still holding that fire because God is looking for some people who will be patient and stand firm in today's world. Can you say Amen. amen. Look, Paul told Timothy, and this is true of all of us, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says this. In fact, everyone, say everyone, who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted in some way at some time. While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue, and stand firm in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Turn to your neighbor and say, stand firm. Stand firm. Not only do you need to stand firm against the push from the outside, but I encourage you to stand firm in your witness. How many of you know we live in a community full of people who need Jesus? Come on, please don't be ashamed. To, to testify, to invite. I like what Paul wrote in Romans. He said these words. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Is that true? Jesus coming is nearer than when you first believed? It is. The night is nearly over, thank God. The day is almost here. The day of his coming. Let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently 
as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Can I remind you today that everything you see around you that is tempting is going to perish? And can I remind you that Isaiah wrote these words, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God will stand. Everybody shout it out. Forever. So we must be patient. We must stand firm because the world puts its pressure on us from the outside in to conform. But there's another enemy, much more subtle enemy, that James deals with in these verses. He says these words in verse 9. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Let, let me just ask you a question. Does grumbling happen among Christians inside of a church? Does it happen between Christians of, of different churches? Yeah, well, we're going we're to cover both scenarios. Let's, let's talk first about grumbling inside of a church. Can I just tell you this? That a, a, a disgruntled person can cause a lot of damage. Man, if you've got to grind and you're willing to talk to bring people to your side. Okay, l listen. I had a conversation on Friday with, with Keith Mitzel. How do you remember Keith? He was just here a couple weeks ago preaching preach this pulpit. Him, him and his wife are, are, are also travel and minister. And, you know, we were talking about what I was preaching on Sunday, and I was saying, Keith, it's real simple. Uh, be patient, stand firm, and don't grumble. And, and, and I said to him, he said, have you seemed to notice that post-COVID, people and even Christians are more critical? It's like, remember during COVID, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, everybody, everybody had their opinions, it just feels like that, that spirit of criticalness has seemed to carry on. And he said to me, he said, Pastor, he said, listen, he said, you know, you know why Christians find it easy to be critical? I said, no, tell me, I need some good sermon material for Sunday. He said, because it's easier to find faults in others than it is to deal with what needs to happen in your own heart. And did not the Lord say, before you worry about the, 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 the speck in someone else, deal with, the, deal with the log that's on your own. Come on, somebody. There are extreme cases, like the person, the true, true story. They had just switched pastors. New pastor was significantly different from the old pastor. He, he wasn't didn't do anything like sinful or anything, but just, just was different. And this person didn't like the differences. And so uh, the, the entire church was in service like there is now. And he took it upon himself to go through the parking lot and put under the windshield of every car 10 reasons why they should get rid of the new pastor. Now, that, that's extreme. Now, what do you think the God in heaven says when he looks down? How many of you recognize the name of Korah in the Old Testament? Korah? How many of you never heard of him? Just out of curiosity, I want to tell you the story, okay? Excuse me, man. So Korah was a Levite. He was a leader. And Korah, this was, this was after the Israelites had come out of the promised land. The, the sea had parted, and they were on their journey. And Korah didn't approve of Moses' leadership. Now, was Moses a perfect leader? 
No, Moses wasn't charismatic. He was a very humble man. Um, you know, not somebody who had a lot of charisma, not somebody who would wow the crowd. He just, he just was a man who, who was after God's heart. And Korah began to spread. I don't think God really called Moses. Now, what was Korah's real motive? He wanted to take over. He wanted to be in charge. All right? So Korah gathered himself a number, a couple hundred, I believe it was, of, of other Levites and others who gathered to his cause. And what do you think God thought of a man that he called Moses his very friend? What do you think God thought of Korah attacking God's friend? Well, you can turn to Numbers chapter 16, homework assignment, and read what happened to yourself. Is it easy to get caught up in a wave of grumbling? Is there something very carnal in all of us that likes something juicy? Oh, it got real quiet in here. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 12. As he anticipated going back to the Corinthian church, he says, I'm afraid that when I come to you, I may not find you as I want you to be and you may not find me as you want me to be. In other words, he might come back kind of hard on them. Because I fear that there may be quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, factions, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. Okay? Listen to me. Here, here, here's, here's my heart. We have a community outside of these walls who needs Jesus. Can we stay focused on what we're supposed to stay focused on? Can we keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith? Come on, somebody. Amen? You say, well, what do I do if I have a question or have a concern? The Bible says you are to go to that person with whom you have a concern, talk it out, work it out. Come on, somebody. What do I do if, I have, if a disgruntled person comes to me? You send them to the person they have disgruntledness with. That's the biblical pattern. Let me read you a statistics, okay? Listen. As of March 2022... 42% of pastors in the U.S. have considered quitting over the past year. Why? Probably number one issue is that, is that, is that spirit of complaint. Amen? All right, listen. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Come on, somebody. Let's, 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 let's keep to the task, winning souls, helping other people. Amen? Now, there's also grumbling that happens I'll say to, as Christians look at other churches, other ministries, okay? Now, what I'm going to go through today, as we, as we wind things down, there, there's, there's nobody here that I know of that's guilty of what I'm gonna, about to tell you, all right? I mean that. I mean, there's nobody here that, I, that posts things on Facebook, on social media that's attacking other churches and other believers, um, but I'm going to tell you this because I don't want you to get to that point that I have to send you a message and just say, knock it off. Okay? All right. Now, all right. So, listen, this is really important. There is a difference between another church or ministry that I might not be in complete agreement with, but they preach being born again. They love the Bible. You understand? Now, I might not agree with, with everything they do, but they're, they're telling people they need Jesus. They're preaching being born again. They believe the Bible is the word of God. They are not my enemy. They, they might be my neighbor in heaven. 
Think about this. Think about uh, uh, you know, someone you're railing against. Oh, I don't like the way they do this and, and what I don't do that. And then you get to heaven and you realize they're your neighbor. How are you going to feel about that? Okay? As opposed to our real enemy. Our real enemy are those who preach another gospel as in they tell you you can get to heaven another way besides the cross the blood, the word. Come on, somebody. That's our real enemy, churches that are caving in to political correctness, all right? Now listen, you can go to YouTube and you can find people who have lots of followers and their only goal is to criticize other ministries. That's their whole page. That's all they do is look for something to be critical of. Are they gonna find it? Yeah, yeah, listen, listen. If our church was large enough, somebody would have a YouTube channel, criticize, they would, they would, they would look at our, our cast and they would, they would point out certain things I say out of context, it happens all the time. G- give you an example. You may or may not be familiar with Bethel Church in Redding, California, Pastor Bill Johnson. Some of you may be. We actually sing some of their music here, all right? So Bill Johnson has had some members that have done some crazy things. And people have assumed that if a member does it, the church must believe it. That would be like, that'd be like seeing someone at Walmart with one of our guest t-shirts. Get in a fight and somebody say, well, I guess Eastern Assembly preaches that, that you should just fight anybody that you disagree with. Okay, w- would that be wrong? Okay, now, does that mean I agree with everything Bill Johnson preaches or everything Bethel does? Probably not. But are they my enemy? No. Everybody understanding this? Listen, we've gotten in this very confiscated time, this strange time where where believers attack each other. Oh, uh, because you're not part of our denomination and you don't believe like we do, you're preaching a false gospel. Be careful, friend. The judge is at the door. You listen to me? Okay, the judge is at the door. And if God says, that's my son that you're after, that's my daughter, my hand is on them. Doesn't mean they're perfect. God got to set them apart. Man, leave it alone. Why do you need to criticize a church that's 3,000 miles away anyway that has nothing to do with you, your family? Oh, yes, but, but God has raised me up as a voice for all nations. Preach the gospel if that's true. Win people to Jesus. That's the voice God has given you, not as a critic. Now, I'm going to say it again. Not, not any, you know, no one that, is, that, that I know that's here this morning is guilty. I'm not, I'm not preaching this because I'm preaching it because we're, 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 because we're going through James, and James says, don't grumble, and this is what the Lord gave me, and I believe it's helpful. Amen. So, so don't use social media that way. Come on, somebody. Amen? 1 Corinthians 8.1. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Now listen to me. Knowledge is good. It's good to grow. Good to get in your Bible. Good to learn things. But the danger of thinking you know something is now I can be a critic because I know more than you do. You understand? Now I know. Well, 
What's supposed to happen is we're supposed to grow in knowledge and we're all supposed to grow in love and patience and everything else. Come on, somebody. Amen. God help all of us to hear the truth this morning. Amen. Listen, some great men of God have had critics left and right. Great, great men of God. Most of them got their eyes on Jesus. Now, they'll listen if you're their friend. If you're their friend and they have a relationship and you say, can I just give you a pointer? They'll they'll listen to somebody in close relationship with them, which we all should. But when it came to some outsider who who never even took enough time to write them a letter to tell about it, just blasting them uh, sideways, they just say, you know what? Let God deal with it. Let God deal with it. I'm going to move on. And God has used them in great ways. And their critics will have to stand before the Lord knowing that they've blasted somebody who God had his hand on. Okay, this is simple today. Listen, this is what James is saying, the heartbeat of what he's saying. Be patient. Why do we need to be patient? Why do we, come on now, I only said this 20 minutes ago. Why do we need to be patient? Because we know he's coming, but we don't know when. So we gotta wait. We gotta stand firm. Why do we gotta stand firm? Because there is this outward pressure from the world saying, you will bow your knee. And we, like Daniel, have the opportunity to say, no, we won't. You can throw me in the fire. I might perish in the fire, but you never know. My God just might meet me in the fire and see me through. Come on, somebody. Amen. And then he says, be careful that you're not doing well, being patient, standing firm, but guilty of grumbling. That's another enemy. Guard what comes out of this mouth. God gave us a mouth to praise God, lift up others. Come on, somebody. And yeah, there's a time. There's a time to say, hey, be careful. They're no longer preaching the gospel. They're telling people they need to be born again. They're, 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 they're telling you another way. Beware. But let's not attack somebody who might be your neighbor in heaven. Listen, and if you ever go to a church... And the main thing that church does is just criticizes every other ministry that's not theirs. Be careful. Because they're grumbling. I'm trying to help you this morning, church. Here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. Just just come, real quick. Anybody who's been cleared to pray, I need you down here this morning. Please, quickly. And today you can spread all the way across because we're doing something different today. Spread all the way across. I'm gonna ask, and we we would love to do this for everybody in here. It's gonna take a little bit, we'll move quickly. It's gonna take a little bit of time, but we'll get it done. I would like everybody to come down. And guys, this is gonna be kind of quick prayers, just so you know, this is gonna be quick because there's gonna be be people who need to come through your line. I would love you to give us the privilege of laying hands on you and simply praying this way. Lord, would you help them to be patient, to stand firm and not be a grumbler, Father? to be thankful. Is there anybody who thinks a prayer like that would be legitimate in today's world? All right. Here's what I want you to do. Come on. I want you to get out of your seat. Just form a line. There might be two or three or four. They're going to do this quick. Come on. Everybody, before you go that way, I'd like you to get prayed for today because I believe this applies to you. Come on. Just get in line. Just get in front of one of these people. Some of you are going to be the first, second. I'm going to jump down there in just a minute. And guys, those of you who are praying, gals, those of you who are praying, it's going to be quick today. Lord, help them to be patient. Help them to stand firm.
and help them to put a guard on their mouth, Father, in these last days that we can be unified in Jesus' name.